Hey everyone, welcome to The Path of Me. I'm your host, Wendy Hutchinson, and this is a show about inspiring to live your best life by inviting really cool guests who have overcome adversity, stepped into their lane, and embraced their authentic power. So today's guest is the beautiful Kalina James. Welcome, my friend. Thank you thank for being with us today. Thank you, thank you is a dynamic and impassioned leader and she's a very very um, sought after coach she's an expert in communication business transitions but she's also the ceo of LifeQuest, which is a new app and i signed up for it and i can't wait to give it a whirl so welcome kalina thanks for uh, being thank you so much for having me this is such a treat you know we've had some amazing you know, connection so far. And I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. Hello, listeners. Thank you for being here. Yeah. My first question is, you know, you don't really get to this place in your life of committed service and alignment with your, your lane, so to mm -hmm. speak, without going through some things, mm. you know, going through some challenges. I think a big part of us being able to be in service is that we have gone through our own personal journey so we can you know lean lean back and extend a hand to bring people through mm -hmm. um with a little more ease and grace so tell me a little bit about your your journey and how you got here yeah thank you for asking i you know i i asked your listeners and i'm asking you in this moment you know how many times have you ever been asked this question like what is your purpose you know and so for me i have asked that question over and over and over again. And I consider myself to be in this journey called life for quite some time. And so I learned a long time ago, Wendy, that, you know, living in other people's perspective of me by asking that question, um, it gave them the subtle control or the power over me. And, you know, as you're, when you're young and you're, you know, growing up and you're inspired and you live in this world before, the internet before um, ratchet TV is what I call it. Uh, reality TV, mm -hmm. you live in your little bubble. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, outside in your world, there are things that you draw from. And so again, looking for what my purpose was, I would ask that question a lot. And I realized that over the years I was giving away my power. I was looking for other people to speak into my life, to give me some sort of direction on who I am and whose I am. And, you know, having the success that I've had, most people think that, you know, I grew up with this silver spoon in my mouth. They, they truly believe that I had this wonderful environment, right? That just gave me access to so many cool things. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, that was not the case for me. I grew up in a house where there was verbal, physical abuse, mental abuse, and I was feeling so insecure, feeling rejected and believing that I was nothing and believing that I was never really good enough for anything. Mm -hmm. And I was hearing words like, you ain't gonna be nothing, you ain't good enough, um, you ain't gonna amount to nothing, who do you think you are, you Miss Rich B, please, you know? And it was really devastating. And a lot of people don't even realize, you know, how old I was. And when I asked them, do you know how old I was? And they're like, well, how old were you? And I'm like, yeah, I was six years old. Wow, And I re yeah, incredible amount yeah. of, negative programming mm -hmm. being reinforced daily mm -hmm. into a child's psyche. So 
Yeah. I marvel yeah. that you have been able to become and evolve into the best version of you. Yeah. That yeah. foundation. Tell me a little bit about that journey. How, how, yes. did how did you get from there to here? That's just such yeah. a high mountain to climb. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, one pivotal, I think, marker in my life. And that was, again, at that age when I was hearing, you'll never be nothing. Who do you think you are? You must rich B-I-T-T-H. And I remember something inside of me pushing back saying, I am somebody, I am somebody. Mm. And I would remember myself saying that I am somebody, I am somebody at a six year, you know, being six years old. That's powerful. Yes, yes. And I believe that that was probably something that was a pretty cool marker for an amazing journey that happened and unfolded after that. And so in trying to find my life purpose, right, as a young adult and as a teenager, I often um, excelled professionally. I often um, sought out opportunities to serve in ministry in my church. You know, I even prayed about it. I even got involved with, you know, at-risk youth that were, um, that I could relate to, right? You know, in, in a community, in an organization that I felt like, you know, I could give back because somehow I got out. And yes. yeah, I got out, I got out, I got out. And so um, feeling good on one end, Wendy, but also feeling unfulfilled on the other end um, was taxing. It was taking from each other. And so it wasn't until the work that I did with youth at the detention center that I realized that I needed to, you know, have more, be more, because my story of wanting to help them, to tell them about my path, where I've come from, um, my story just wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough to be able to help young adults be able to shift. And so that's when I made the decision to opt into coach training certification. And so in that interim, I'm telling the world and my colleagues and my friends, I just believe that, you know, God can use me. I truly believe that he can use more of me. However, I believe that there is more falling through my hands than what is actually being birthed out of my hands. Mm. And I'm wondering if it's, if the vessel itself needs to sharpen itself and what can I do to, to inspire people from the inside out to live connected to change. And so there was a young friend of mine who at the time said, had you ever considered coaching? And I was like, what the heck is that? You know, like I had never heard of that. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know, this is, back, <laughs> yeah. back, you know, 20 something years ago, what is that? You know, right. and um, let me tell you something. I had made the decision um, to uh, become an IPEC graduate, the International Professional Excellence and Coaching Institute. Um, it is a phenomenal coach training certification program. And I, I decided to opt in and go through what we call transformational leadership, energetic leadership transformational journey for myself. But let me tell you something, Wendy, the crap hit the fan. When I tell you I had to come face to face, you know, with my own trauma, with my own pain. It all comes up, doesn't it? It all comes up because how can we be the message and not just a messenger yeah. in the experience of life, life transformation? And I thought I was going to be a blessing to other people to learn this skill set about human anatomy and to work with the this cognitive is a ability, journey, isn't it? It's Girl, so humbling for us. It is. In the in the process of seeking our service to others, yeah. we yeah. are confronted with ourselves and our yeah. stuff. And I will tell you 
also from firsthand experience, it was incredibly humbling for me to confront the unconscious programs, like you were talking about, you know, we get yeah. into these programs because of our conditioning and yeah. history and our parents and our families and yeah. religion, whatever it is that we're surrounded by, right? And so, yeah. yeah Girl to have I like literally when I came face to face with that pain and that was one of those moments that I, I try to put the words to it, but the best way that I can describe it is it's like a replay of your entire life unfolding before your eyes up into this moment. And instead of looking at, um, you know, all of the things that appear to be bad or good or indifferent or great, um, I had a choice to make. I had a choice to decide in that replay of my life to turn pain into power. Mm -hmm. And I realized that everything and who I was and what I was searching for was right in front of me the whole time. Yeah. And embracing her, embracing the, the girl, the woman um, that I was hunting for, looking for, was right in front of my face the entire time. Mm -hmm who I was, was right in front of my face. And when I tell you what came to, to uh, forward for me was everything that my hand had touched, every title that my, you know, my resume had, every experience in the experience that I was unfolding, I was living connected to um, what I consider the title of a life coach. And life coaching is, is really the partnership that comes alongside of people to help them put those pieces together. And in that partnership of, you know, really wanting to see people live connected to their power, their purpose and their plan. And I just had titles, but I was looking for a title to find purpose. But what I found was the impact of the work that I do, that is really the calling that I have or the gift that I have. And so I've summed it up in a metaphor that I believe really speaks to um, my impact is that is that I am the ray that causes a deep breath that awakens the soul. And people are, you know, are like, oh, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I don't perceive to be God, but I am truly an instrument in this universe mm -hmm. that wants to extend my ability to um, be a vessel for people's access to progress and growth. And so if I in my opportunity of working and partnering with people created an aha moment. What I like to call is the ray, right? Sitting and laying under the sun can exhale the weight or it can inhale the empowerment of it, the rejuvenation of it. I am the ray that causes a deep breath, whether it is an exhale or an inhale um, that awakens that soul. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that also our power of turning pain into purpose is our ability to reflect back the individual sitting in front of us, their power to them. Yes. Because they're often in such a deep place of suffering or in a transition where they have a block or something's holding them back. We yes. have the ability to reflect to them the light within them. Absolutely. Because in that replay for me, um, it was the beauty in the ashes. It was the, the journey that needed to be experienced in the moment for it to all make sense. And so I have this 
foundational belief that, um, you know, that there are no problems or challenges, there are only opportunities. And that truly brings forth this heartbeat that says that in the moment of your um, uncomfortability, um, blindside, setbacks, um, in time, giving the right measure of healing, we can truly draw from it that gives us a greater palette for what this life experience offers us. And, you know, life is a gift. And um, as it unfolds, the indifferences or the joys or the heights or the lows of it, we get to because there's so many people that have never been in this experience called life more than it has been. And so we, I believe, owe it to them to live this thing called life in all of its glory because we get to experience it. And so, you know, who am I to say um, the little blind side isn't offering you the very thing that you so desire if given some time. It's guiding them. It's guiding them to the life that they are meant to have and, and hold and live. Yeah. But I'm I getting think, everything I've always wanted. <laughs> I think our society has a way of just really glorifying the shiny, the happy, the good. Mm -hmm. But this life is full spectrum. Yeah. What I've learned from my experience is all of it. I needed all of it. I needed to experience all of it. I needed to embrace and embody the pain. I need to do my inner work. I had to confront myself, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beauty. Yes. Yeah. And I would not change one thing at all. And I think people maybe need to reframe how they relate to the challenges, the suffering, the adversity, because that is what builds us. That is what gives us perspective, resilience, healing. Like you have to go through, you cannot, you cannot avoid pain and get where you need to be. Come on, Wendy. Living yes. empowered and, and, you know, purposeful life. You have yeah. got to unpack it. You've got to melt all that armor around your heart that you've built up mm -hmm. to prevent yourself from being hurt further and have the courage to go into vulnerability. And that's the beauty of coaching. That's the beauty of the work is you get to hold sacred space for people. And what a gift because you've experienced it yourself. That makes mm -hmm. you so much more impactful. You've walked the path before, mm -hmm. you know, the way forward. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, you know how to wait in it. You know, you know how to wait and be patient in it. And you know, when it's important to um, seek for additional resources and support when you've sat so long mm -hmm. and, and I always have this, you know, mantra or this um, saying that, you know, it's okay to you know, to take a step back. It's okay to not be okay. Um, but is it in control of you or are you in control of it? And if it is in control of you and you're unable to shift to take action, right? To um, win or to reconcile or to creatively, you know, move forward in a more productive and responsible and anabolic way, then um, look for, those tools and resources around you, but be good in the moment of the resource around you to learn a skill or a tool that can be used for years to come. And that is, I believe, 
another kind of mission, if not an, a transformational opportunity with my clients or anyone that I've had an opportunity to partner with is I want you to live without me. I want you to live without having to, yeah, um, yeah having to, you know, be re- needed or needing um, resources that can truly be yours to have if we truly understand thyself and are able to do the deep work. And so part of the partnership with any client is not just getting them through this journey that they're experiencing, but it's also learning of themselves, but then also learning what works best for them and how they want to manage strong emotions or manage, you know, the relationships or manage a new awareness on how to safeguard it and how to keep strengthening it and how to take what they've learned in that one aspect and apply it in other areas of their life that are not experiencing abundance. The tools are so critical. And I think many people feel like they have to do it alone. Mm -hmm. Like they are alone. They have to do it alone. They're not worthy of spending money on themselves to, to seek resources or that retreat or that, um, coach or whatever yeah but if you you can see your worthiness enough to engage in some of these tools and services and opportunities in front of you if you can just move past your ego that's saying I got this when you're at an impasse you you may have it but it's going to take you a a lot longer to get there then if you can just open your heart and accept help. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 and amen. <laughs> and yes, not resist, yes, yes. you know, I, I go through it to myself, you know, mm-hmm. in something deep and if, and someone's trying to help me, I'm like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I, I know. You know I, even I, myself. I need to learn to, to walk my own talk, you know? <laughs> I don't even want to talk to myself, you know, yeah. and that's, a, and that really is, you know, something you said is, you know, tools, when we say tools, and I know when I say tools, somebody's looking for that tangible piece of paper, or, you know, three-step process. And it's also strength-finding conversations that you utilize for yourself to segregate the noise and yeah. then rightly divide it to know what's true. And then to analyze, if not, uh, how can I say it? When do you know? It is when you can dance with it and it teaches you something, but it's also a burden in some way, but it's showing you really cool things about yourself and about life. And then you're able to um, call it something. Identify it I think a big part of it is people giving themselves the presence and grace mm-hmm. of space and silence because mm-hmm. there's a lot of distraction out there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of programming that tells you if you continue to seek outward, you're going to find it. Mm-hmm. You're going to find it. Mm-hmm. You're going to find yourself out there. Mm-hmm. But I know, like I know, like I know, it's only in here. It's yeah. only in your heart space. It's only in vulnerability. It's only in truth, yeah. discernment, even detachment yeah. from the story. Yeah you're going to elevate you're going to go through incredible transformation I also feel like people can't see beyond the gradient of experience that they're in currently so it's hard to imagine a life of empowerment 
or Mm -hmm. abundance or Mm -hmm. worthiness or whatever that looks like because they haven't touched it. It's really hard to reach for something that you don't really have a concept of um, it being available to you. You don't have a concept of what it is embodied. You can read texts, you can read books that motivate you, but until you can energetically unpack it and really be working consciously on your healing and your processing and mm-hmm. um, letting go mm-hmm. a lot of your past that's holding yeah. you back yeah you can't really step into it you can you can mentally you know go for it but there's you have to also match it energetically right right and isn't it so interesting that um you know, in one area of somebody's life, that faith, that confidence, that optimism to rewrite some narratives is, is so champ is championed with everything in them. And then there's those other areas that just seem to be so deep seated that, um, they experience a level of success and then it plateaus, like as if there is this, this unconscious belief wall, um, new skill set, new, new way of living being um, that is asking and inviting them. And um, some people say fear of failure or imposter syndrome or fear of success, or um, it's just interesting when you said that, because I've recognized that in some beautiful people who have taken, taken the ability, their, their abilities to rewrite narratives but then he hit a wall. Right? Well, there's this internal worthiness story, I feel like. Mm. Like, I feel like that block is really around worthiness. Like they, they can see it, right? They can see the magic that's waiting. But if you have never embodied yourself in that space, it can be terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And, and what would you lose? What would you... Well, sometimes you have to give up a lot to, mm-hmm. to step into that next level. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to lose a marriage or you have to lose a toxic parent or you have yeah. to lose um, a career choice that's not aligned because you, yeah. your purpose is far greater. But yeah. then people want to stay in that safety and people want to really hold on to what is comfortable, even yeah. in the discomfort of it. I, I so agree because going back to... The moment when that crap hit the fan for me, my life played forward. And what became of that was, you know, the person that I was looking for was right in front of me the whole entire time. And mm-hmm. beautiful people that I had given my power to mm-hmm. in this, in that part of my, in that moment in my life, they were beautiful people and people I admired, people I probably admired way too much. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I trusted everything that they said, but then I, I started to say, privately, quietly, you got to go. You have to go. You, you know, you have to go and you have to go and you have to go. I love you to death, but I can no longer give you my power because it's, it's too much of a crutch. It's too much of a hindrance. It's too dependent. It's too needy. The fact that you've had this awareness mm -hmm. is so powerful, but I think there are these pivotal moments in life where our soul is calling us forward. Right. And not everyone is journeying with us. Yeah. They will, they walk with us through a specific phase and time in our lives. They give us lessons. They give us um, friendship maybe. Mm-hmm. And then that's where they 
where it ends, you know, like not everyone is here to journey with us the entire way that it's like running a part of a marathon. Like maybe they're going to be with us for like two miles of the marathon or even 10 miles of the marathon. And what I feel is we get to these nexus points where we want to keep going and we want to keep growing and expanding into our fullest potential and purpose and power. Mm -hmm. And energetically, it's just not a vibrational match. I always refer to energy. It's kind of like that AM FM satellite radio. Like we were in AM for a long time. And then we kind of moved to FM and we can still kind of bridge back to AM and we can still kind of hang, but then we keep deciding and choosing more for ourselves. And it gets harder to bridge the gap, to hang out. Like, yes, yes. I don't talk about chaos and trauma. I don't want to be in that. I don't want to expose my field to anything that's not moving and supporting me energetically in my dreams and my life. And I lost so many people through this process. Yeah. Yeah, There was a lot of mourning, even though you know it's the right thing, it's the thing. There's still grief when you lose people you care about. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you also appreciate, you know, if you get to that space where that cut is not because of any, I mean, that we have had moments in our life, right? And our clients have that they just have to, you know, cut those relationships because of toxicity. But this was, this was an interesting twist. I loved what it offered me. I, I appreciated what it, it gave me, the ability to play with myself and my skill set and what I truly believe is my gift. And I simply said, I give, I have to, I have to, I have to grow forward. I have to bet on myself is what I said. I have to um, find the grace to fall forward and fail and know that this is all part of the journey. And in order to discover more of this person, I'm excited now that I'm looking square in the eyes Mm -hmm. and I'm going like, we got, I got to chase you down even more and get to know you. Well, you I, know, love I love your discernment. <laughs> I love your honoring of your own knowing. And I think there are, there are a lot of people who are still a prisoner of that. What will people think? Mm. I need to do this or someone's going to be upset or someone's going to judge me or there's mm-hmm. going to be um, a consequence. But I think there's a place and time when you start to realize that anything, what I, what I came to is anything not supporting me and my journey and my vision and my truth. Anytime I stepped out of that alignment was like a betrayal of my soul because my soul embodies everything that I value, everything Mm -hmm. that I am, everything Mm -hmm. I'm meant to do in this lifetime, my service, Mm -hmm. my heart, my integrity. And every time I stepped out to maybe fall back, you know, in the beginning, you kind of are falling back and going forward and falling back. Right. It was truly a betrayal of my soul uh, to myself. Mm -hmm. And I got to a place where I no longer 
can do it ever. <laughs> I just, mm. I, I will not. Yeah. Because I'm only as good as my, my own integrity, my own heart and my own alignment in yeah. service to others. I yeah. cannot be teaching or empowering someone in a way and not, not embodying it myself. That makes sense. Oh, you want to be a message. You don't want to just be a messenger. And right. that makes perfect sense because to not have walked the talk or at least um, have witnessed, you know, then, you know, it's a light and a light shows the way mm -hmm. and goes the way. And uh, obviously we could put that light in other people's hands and offer them these strength finding conversations and creating a space where they can funnel and channel attention to um, the thoughts and hearts and, and, and actions of their life to quantify, if not deeply understand where it might be coming from. I think one of the strongest, I won't say strongest, but one session I had with a client through a corporate company that allowed me the opportunity to do what I call Tri-C. Um, I could tap into counseling with some vendors that could <clears throat> come into the organization if need be to work with um, their employees, but also um, training and then, uh, or coaching and, and consulting. And so this individual came to me for the work side of the house. They were a 1099 employee and they wanted to really leverage their professional success um, in the business by expanding their marketing services in order to promote their services. And so um, long story short, we got into a place where um, there was some deep childhood trauma experience at the hands of a mother. And it was being displayed in this young lady through her physical attributes. In other words, she had symptoms and signs of MS. And she um, was trying to go through all of these tests to pinpoint MS right, to find a diagnosis for why her body was warring against her and fighting against her. And in our session, I kid you not, um, we had got to a place where we were talking about this childhood trauma because my, as a coach, you know, we don't really work in the space of counseling or therapy, but we can go there to assess and understand in order to bring it forward to see if it's movable and a way to use it to grow from a growth group. And um, we hit a spot that, that really spoke volumes to her and caused her to fall to her knees. And it was around that trauma she had had with her mom and what that meant to her. But ultimately it was the rejection. It was the mother choosing, you know, men over her, the mother, uh, the perceived, the belief, and the experience of physical, mental trauma, and um, outright just um, abusive blame, and the and the words, and the name calling, and um, the misuse, and and withholding food, withholding incredible you know, basic what needs people can endure. Yes, and she was just a little girl, but yeah. to see her come face to face with that trauma, and um the ask this question, I've summed this up to say this is, you know, when we offer someone in that moment, the, the opportunity to heal yes. and to grow through that. Um, Powerful. I, yeah. I watched her body begin to just um, shake uncontrollably because 
what was happening is that she was holding this blame and this victim. She was releasing this, it, right? She was releasing it. And what and was happening, a- yep. And what was happening, you could see um, now this empathy, sadness come over her for her mom. And she said, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? Because now she started to reconcile and release what she blamed and held hostage of someone that was she carried it all in her field she did and then it manifested physically in her body in her body Mm -hmm. and she was able to process the true uh, root causes of that trauma and how she was holding hostage and blame and anger and resentment of her mother and then when she realized you know her mother didn't have what she was in entitled to receive as a mother and how could she even give to her what her herself didn't have to give and who's to blame for your mother's trauma and so forth and so forth goes so, so far forth. back oh it went so far right? back wendy that it started to break so down the program yes and it allowed her to say i feel sad for you and that's when she started to heal herself and take back her own power and then to work from that space where she says I feel so much lighter I feel so much more um uh, a desire to heal the relationship a desire to um you know understand so that she could be understood and at that moment Wendy you know, you're like a brand new baby horse. <laughs> you're you're ready to go out to the world I and say, I love you. What a what a gift to be able to to facilitate that, but also bear witness to this mm-hmm. transformation mm-hmm. Um, in person. And yes. then guide her forward from a more healed and yeah. whole place, you know, within herself. And yeah. what happens is this emotional repression, it's energetic and it manifests in Mm -hmm. your body. We're we're mind, body, and soul, we are connected. And people don't understand the power of the energies and toxicities that we hold and don't allow to process out the physical impacts it has on us. Um, Right. Because that energy has to go somewhere. Got to go somewhere. It's going to eat holding it or eat everybody else. Yeah, because she was very kind to the world and she was holding it all in for herself and it was eating away at her. And then to have this transformation, this transformation that she had that was unfolding, um, you know, there's a lot of silence to allow that person to unpack and then to how do we go forward? And so, um, you know, we worked with this newness of energetic desire to extend and support, but also the loving word of loving boundaries so yeah. that she could be able to safeguard um, what had happened to her without having to experience someone else's trauma because her, yeah, her integrity and so her integrity and then the experience and didn't want to just open up the bag of love and only to be her boundaries again. are mm-hmm. an important part of self-love mm-hmm. yeah she experienced yep she experienced the change but her mom may not have not yet right. you know right. and so it was important and so it was wonderful to see her move on have children but she couldn't even have any kids 
because of the way that her right, body was, was rejecting that it. She would repeat the cycle or they would be well, dead. Her body was rejecting them. You know, oh. her body was rejecting them because of the trauma. Mm. Um, and I believe now that you say that there could very well be that deep seated, you know, worry, wonder um, of how to be an effective mother, but um, she couldn't understand why she wasn't having kids. Her There's body so just many layers, right? Mm -hmm. so many layers to this process of healing and mm -hmm. it truly is healing because mm -hmm. everything does come back to our inner being isn't that the our truth our beliefs about ourselves how we can um how we relate to it i think oftentimes if we can relate to it in a different way i think there's a huge transition that happens when you go from victim to empowered I believe so. And it, one that you get to own mm -hmm. and one you get to know the pathway forward for whatever life's journey blindside takes you. Um, it truly is the tool or the, you know, repeatable strategies for healing, whether it's strength finding conversations, holding space for yourself, um, being able to interpret the noise and providing yourself wonderful people around you that could very well support that journey because life is fast. And I know that, um, you know, in retrospect and in hindsight, life has given me other opportunities, right, to experience holding space for transformation. However, hope you didn't hear that, but however, um, I think it's important to know that, you know, life can throw you all kinds of blind sides, but the skill set's still the same. Right. You know, and life can move so fast. And I think people in hindsight, people are moving so fast that they don't take the time to heal. That 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 makes sense. They don't, they don't know. They think busyness of it all can um ignore, if not um bypass those moments exactly. and then another blow and then another blow and then another blow. I would call that change. like spiritual <laughs> bypassing our our deeper inner work yes. and yeah. that really keeps you stuck in a loop and pattern where you just repeat washrooms repeat and you can't yes. it's interesting to watch people who are not consciously aware because they can't figure out why they keep dating or marrying that same person or because until you the lesson is learned you're going to repeat the experience it's going to keep coming at you and even I think for us, you know, we're in the in the field of supporting transformation, but we still have human lives and we still experience things. And I wanted to touch on this experience you had recently mm. this year, which is probably going to have to be another podcast, but we can we can touch on it. So share just a little bit about what happened this this year for you so yeah. much yeah well it's actually 2020 so oh, it's been a yeah 2020 it's been a journey so it's a healing journey another one right so it always seems to lead back to um my parent right and so um 2020 um March 17th of 2020 when the world was shutting down um I found out through 23andMe that my father was not my father so prior to that, three years prior, um, I had a young lady reach out to me um, because she had found that we were first, second cousins on 23andMe and we wanted to figure out why and how. Now, mind you, I only took the test because I've got blue-eyed grandbabies and I wanted to find out why I got blue-eyed grandbabies. Well, really? Yeah, right. Oh I knew I got blue-eyed grandbabies. So I wanted wow. to find out what in the world. 
you know, so I did the test because I wanted to know more about our history. And I hear get a hit three years prior um, saying, I don't want to know why we're first, second cousins. And that's kind of a close-in relationship. And I don't know you. And I said, I don't know you. Mm -hmm. So it took us three years to try to figure out, you know, something. And so she had gotten her mother and father to take the test so I can find out if I'm coming from her mom or her dad's side. And mind you, my dad here that lives in around the corner from me, he had taken the test, but a different test years for me prior, because I wanted to find out his African roots. Right. We never took 23andMe with right. me, but my mom had never taken the test. And I thought, surely if I get my mom to take the test, it will reveal um, maybe if she's coming from her you know, mother's side or father's side, then we can kind of pinpoint and go from there. Now, long story short, um, my mother confesses. She was like, oh my God, you know, I'm wondering, you know, what's going on because I know that my father, her, her my grandfather had mentioned to her that he wasn't sure if he was her daughter. And in saying that, this young lady who is trying to figure out how we're related calls me up and says, hey, I talked to my grandmother and she says, you look like the candidate. And I said, I've never heard that name. Let me ask my dad, never heard that name. Hmm. I said, let me ask my mom, mom, have you ever heard of the candidates? She said, I went to school with the candidates. And I said, you did? She was like, yeah. And they lived in the house right behind ours on the next street. And I said, mom, do you think, do you think your mother messed around with that man? Your, your, do you think that your mother messed around with that boy that you grew up with, went to school with his father? And she was like, oh my gosh, I hope not. Because that was the rumor that my grandmother was promiscuous and we weren't always sure which children of hers is my grandfather's, but Right. This could be possible. So I said, mom, um, we'll at least find out if you're coming in as a blood relative of her side or no side, because right, right. if you are, then we've got a little bit more to keep digging. Right. But what if this is your half brother? And she's like, oh my God. So out of the blue in our waiting for the test, <laughs> this man reaches out to my mom on Facebook and says, I think we're family. And she freaks out because she thinks the lady who reached out to me three years prior told somebody in the family that we're trying to find out if she could be related in some way or another um, to that side of the family. And right. so she freaked out. And I said, mom, you know, you don't have to talk to him. I'll talk to him because the only way we're going to find out if, if this man is your half brother is if he takes the test, this will solve a lot for us. He's fallen into our lap. Right. And I said, let him, me talk to him. Wendy, I get on the phone. Hi, Mr. Canada. How are you? He says, I was talking to my grandmother and she mentioned that sh she believes we are related to Jesse Owens, the Olympic track star who ran against Berlin and won a gold medal. And that is such a, you know, legacy in my family because I used to be a track star at Ohio State and my mother remembers polishing his trophies. And I saw your Facebook post and it said, you know, celebrating the legacy of Jesse Owens for the movie Race. 
If you haven't seen race, go see race. And I trailed you back to your mother, Jewel, and I went to school with her. So I'm wondering if we're related. And I said, well, Mr. Candidate, if you want to know if you're related to us, then I would recommend you take the 23andMe test. We took the test. And three months later, my mother calls panicking because she's trying to figure out why he's asking her, why does the 23andMe say that Kalina is my daughter? Oh my gosh, whoa. And that opened a whole, that blew a whole can of worms open, I imagine. Oh my gosh. Oh, you did know, you I, now? Girl, How did you feel when you got girl, that? When they, when she called me and said, he said, he said, and I don't know. And I, you have the results. I have my mom's results. And so I was just in there two days prior and I had just happened to see where this young lady's um, name populated on my tree. And I was like, oh, you're coming in from my dad's side of the family, like the lineage. I'm going to have to get my dad to take the test because that's where you're coming in from the Holoms. And I didn't see any names or faces populated in my mother and father's, you know, tree or their, where they sit in the, in the family tree. So I was just there three days ago, just text her, kind of figuring it out, asked her to check and see if she knew some Holoms. She said she checked. So then three days later, I'm like, I was just in there. You guys don't know how this works. <laughs> Let me log in and see what's going on. Soon as I log in, Wendy, <clears throat> here populates now my mother and my father and both he and her sat in the parent seats of the family oh tree. Oh my gosh. What, oh my what did your heart, what happened? Did you have a heart attack? I would have had a heart attack. I had a heart attack and I screamed to the top of my lungs because I was like, and my husband's walking around with his hand over his mouth and he's pacing the floor and he's, the eyes are wide open going in and out of the room and I'm screaming and my mom's on the phone saying, is it true? Is it true? What do you see? Cause she can't see the results. And I'm screaming. Ah! I mean, screaming like I can't tell. I you know, only shock and awe, blindside, fear, upset realities, you know, all at once, all at once. And she's like, you know, what is it true? Is it true? And I said, is this, you know, and stop and pause as a girl growing up in this toxic home, being raised by my mom and her, and my stepfather, I've always wanted to know who my dad was. I recall asking my mom at 12, 13, 14 years old, who is my father? I want to know who my daddy is. I don't have my daddy in my life. And she said his name, William Ware. And I, for three years, held on to a William Ware. When I was old enough to look in the white pages, old enough to try to ask around town, asked her to take me to the old neighborhood so I could knock on doors to find my daddy. You know, and this is before cell phone. We only had the phone on the wall with the white pages on the book, right? the phone book. That's all we had. So I'm knocking up and down doors trying to say, do you know a William Ware? And she's sitting in the car and I'm knocking on doors. Oh my goodness. You and had to find this man for a long time. Yes, and I'm looking for this man. And then I turned 17 years old and 
I pray, God, I just want to know who my father is. I just want to know who my father is. I just, I feel different. I see, I am somebody, right? Coming forward, I am somebody. Then who is the other half of me? And I, and in October of 1988 is when this beautiful man walks to the door and my mother confesses that truth that I'm so sorry, William Ware is not your dad, but Larry Hullum is your father. Hence, there's some reasons why she felt like not telling me her sister, her cousin, or her, her best friend, her very best friend from childhood, is still her best friend to this day. It's also that my father, uh, my believed father's sister. And she kept telling my mother for years, are you sure this isn't his child? She acts like us. She looks like us, you know, and I guess in hindsight now, looking back at what my mom was working with, she probably just said, you're probably right. It's his child. And she made that truth, that confession and said, this is your father. And so you um, fostered a relationship with him thinking, girl, yeah, yeah. He comes over just to see me because he lives around the corner from me. No, he around the corner from me. Now, mind you, we lived in Ohio at this time as a teenager he lived here okay. and he's coming to me as a little girl um, because my aunt or my mother's best friend said you need to get over there and see that girl I think that's your child and really? so oh, all yeah. this time since then you yep. had fostered a father-daughter relationship girl I'm 53 years old now <laughs> so the man how does he take this news when girl oh <laughs> The man is, the man is my father and he took me in at 18 and oh. he gave me away at my wedding. I mean, he, he is your father. Grand, he he's is your a father. father in spirit, you know. yeah. He's raised my grandkids. He's, oh my God. I mean, his grandkids, he's the great grandpa. He is Capal and oh he has lived here in this town and I've lived in this town with him, with my family. And he lives right across the street on the next oh street goodness. and I can see his house. And this to, must have really sent shockwaves through everyone. Everything. Like, it not, triggered probably so much emotionally yeah. for everyone in different ways, right? Yeah. 18 years old, you've built this relationship with the grandparents that you thought were your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, right. your siblings, all, all these people. It. And to only be blindsided by um, this new awareness, this new truth. And you can only imagine in my screen it brought up that childhood, I can't land here. I can't have ownership here. I can't have truth here. I can't close this door. A lot here. of safety almost. Yes, but also a lot of just going back to the days that I was knocking on doors, trying to get the mm -hmm. answer and then to only still not have the answer. Mm -hmm. It was just a crippling effect of unanswered um, truth. Um, being bamboozled, um, feeling like my life in some was way out of control. Yeah, know. yeah. I've cut some layers of my identity, um, things wow, that I've adopted. Ripping you to the core. Ripping to the core. I mean, Whoa. stop me down in the midst of the pandemic. Wow. And um, here Ooh. we are, here we are with this new truth. And the hardest thing was my mom not, in, not understanding how she um, got pregnant by this gentleman and swears up and down that there was no physical interaction. And this man cannot be my father. If you haven't heard um, Kirk Franklin's story about this blind side about his father and mother, uh, 
it kind of walks parallel. He was just sharing his story about thinking and believing this man that he buried was his father to only find out that his mother had a relation with a man that DNA proved was his father. And she swears that this is not your father. It can. Well, I think it's hard to, I mean, imagine how shocked your mom was. You are shocked. Oh my gosh. Imagine your mom, like, OMG. And she's trying to replay her life and try to come forward with the answer, but everything coming out of her mouth was, was creating more um, anger, more uncertainty, more, um, you know, rejection, more like dishonesty. Like if you're saying to your child, I don't know how this is possible. I promise you, and what's all God and country. But you're looking at the hard evidence of it too. I'm saying at some point in time, was your pants down and his thing and his and his, <laughs> and his little thing out. That's not the word I use, but was your pants down and out. Something happened there. Something happened. And she's like, I don't recall. I don't remember. That is not something I can recall. I tell you, I promise you, nothing ever happened. Nothing ever happened. Nothing ever did happened. Did you ever we talk to this anything. man then? Did you then call well, him to get a yes. version of what happened? Well, I, I encourage him to take the test. Now it's time for me to, you know, say hello again. And so a um, couple of days went by and I called with my husband, put him on speakerphone. And I said, well, Mr. Kennedy, um, we got a lot to unpack. And he was so gracious and so loving and so tender and so supportive. And he was, he paced with me even in his joy because he had done nothing wrong. He did not know. So he was excited to see this girl with all this glitz and glamour and lights around her doing something amazing. And it's his child. And so I said, "Um, can you tell me what happened? Do you recall? where it might have occurred and he said I do he said there was a time he said I was 15 he said I got to a house party and a bunch of kids hanging out and they was doing stuff I got thrown in a room he said there was some heavy petting he said I probably wasn't in there probably about 30 minutes 30 seconds he said because I realized I was someplace I shouldn't be and I need to get out of there out of his league he said he said Kalina he said I promise you he said what we did you would have never thought anything happened whatever happened he says I didn't even come he said I barely touched your mother he said he said he said we just was heavy petting and I didn't even come I didn't he said what you thought we did he said you wouldn't have thought nothing of it he said I was in there realized I got I need to get out because this isn't my girlfriend we all know we don't what's going on all this stuff all of a sudden and tell so, me yeah did you get an opportunity to meet him in person oh yes oh yeah what was that like girl interesting because mind you I had the father I've always wanted yes and now I'm presented with someone I have to get to know yeah do I have the juice and the energy to go there go there um do I want to um could I should I and so I allowed myself to be cordial friendly gracious because you know these people were excited to embrace me they did not know I existed yes yes and so I recognized that they did nothing wrong Right. And in not doing wrong, you know, they were gracious enough to pace with me. It's been three years. And so hindsight 
you know, I paste it according to my ability to be organic and authentic and genuine. There were times when I just needed a minute and to strengthen up the courage. I won't even say courage or the, I don't even know what word it is. It's not even courage. It's more of the depression of it to reach There's out. There's a lot and say of emotion hello. to process in this mm-hmm. whole story. Disappointment right? of it and the disappointment of it all to reach out and say hello at times. And so um, I have a grandmother who's still alive at 98 years old. She's Can sharp as her? a wit. Yeah, girl, she's been, you know, a very important person in our life. The children have met her. Uh, I see her and talk to her and um, trying to like catch up for time. This is a bonus family that just mm-hmm. emerged on your doorstep. That's I know, I know, I know. Um, still trying to figure out how to blend you know, those current relationships with my father here and the relationships that I have there. Um, I, I don't get to like decide the that. Bonds of love can't be broken. No. You cannot break the bonds of love and connection with the man that raised you. Because no, never. He did it with such beautiful love and willingness to do without a test. You know, he accepted yeah, it. I mean, he this took is me really in. something. And yeah. How's it impacted you? Like what, how have you changed going through the experience? That's a great question because every day is a new awareness three years ago. And I realized I talk about it a lot. So there obviously is still process. I'm still processing. Mm -hmm. I smile about it now instead of crying about it. So there is a process there. There are emotions there. I get to experience it. Um, But I do believe I'm in this space where I've changed I have literally changed and part of your change is is it sad is it adulting (laughs) and you have to understand I'm still figuring out the words for that so part of my emotion is I have had a blind side And it has given me more than my life than some lives have experienced. Mm -hmm. And I get to draw from so many beautiful colors in order to be a bigger me, because that was one of the deepest revelations that through the bloodline, I truly believe that that had an element of gifting, an element of, you know, capabilities through the bloodline. But I realized that the people I've connected with, did connect, disconnected with, has given me a bigger palette to draw from to be a bigger version of myself. And so that freed me from feeling limited. And so on one hand, realizing that the very man that what I called my father is not my father, but has given me this beautiful color of gifts that didn't come from the bloodline, just said, well, where else am I drawing? you know, inspiration, power from, connection from. And I'm like, so you mean to tell me that I can go beyond my bloodline? I don't have to be limited by just what is in my genealogy. That's a huge, that's a huge revelation. It's huge for me because, you know. Your beliefs are expanding. Your conscious awareness around what's possible and what's appropriate and what's nurturing and supportive is changing. And I believe the other side of that emotion is um, the wished I 
and this is unfolding. Wish I could have controlled that, right? I wish I could have been in charge of that. Mm. Does that make sense? I it wish does, I could have been in charge of that. Like, I wish I saw it coming. But I feel like there's just a cosmic order to everything. And you yeah, can't control these things. They happen right on time. They happen right when you are capable of, of handling everything that gets flushed up. I think if it had happened any earlier, yeah. you wouldn't have the tools and the resilience and the yeah. compassion um, levels and love levels for yourself and others to navigate it in such a beautiful way, right? Correct. Yes, yes, because those tools had to come forward again, yeah, for for self. And so um, this is when I said, you know, you know, it's okay to take a step back. It's okay to not be okay. But it, how long are you willing to stay there? And if your desire to move forward um, is un you're unable to in other words if it's choosing you and you're not choosing it if it's got a hold on you then here's an opportunity to align yourself with resources that could support the tools that you know but also give you perspective and give you an opportunity to hear um, real truth you know in this moment and so I decided to reach out to Dr. Kimberly Morris who is a really great friend of mine who's a psychiatrist or therapist and she um had a nice 11, 11 p.m. conversation at IHOP. <laughs> wow, she was so available. How perfect is that? She was. I saw her at seven o'clock and I was like, I need to talk. And so we went to IHOP at 8.30. Probably the first of many conversations. It was. And she said something, she said something that freed me. And I offer that to your listeners. I hope and pray for people. I optimistically believe that people will um, work things out, which is a beautiful gift to have. Mm -hmm. However, in that moment, I wasn't recognizing who was in front of me today. And I was reluctant to see um, a mother that I believed in that narrative was irresponsible, um, you know, childish, um, stupid, just, you know, you know, what the freak, you know, like judgment, judging her of all of her bad days. Mm -hmm. And I was unwilling to confess without having to, um, and I was trying to bypass it by it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But it was not okay inside. It was not okay inside. And so when my colleague, in, you know, encouraged me to embrace that narrative so that I could move forward I was afraid to because I thought I'd get left there I thought that if I truly confess my deepest thoughts emotions I would be I would stay there and I wouldn't be able to find my way forward to look at my mom in a in a loving way I thought if I allowed that lens to come and own it right. then how could I filter out of it and so um it kept weighing on me weighing on me but after a period of time I was able to really engage my mom in conversations, short burst conversations when I could muster the, the energy to talk through things. And it was more of a, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But that I'm sorry over again and Kalina, I didn't mean, that was like being the victim and both of us couldn't be victims at the same time. So I couldn't save you and save me. So, you know, I needed to, I needed to always hang up because I just really felt like I couldn't, 
I can't save you and save me and not get more angry and more depressed trying to right. hear your sad story. You were so. very self-aware of your boundaries, which I think I is was. very, very important in I this was. situation. I was. But I, was. I feel when you are able to honor those boundaries yep. and honor where you are and gradually open the door, yep. you know, compassion comes in. It does. And it did. It really did because I I gave myself grace to be okay with um, allowing myself to sit in those emotions and reflected on the young lady, reflected on previous clients that, you know, I've done this that, I, you know, when I graduated from coach training, I allowed myself to go to a place of deep awareness and healing. And I remember calling her this one particular afternoon and I was sitting on the side of my bed in the dark and started to go down that narrative I'm sorry I didn't mean to I don't know why you know and I started to feel all of those emotions Wendy come up my voice started to tremble mm. and I recall getting to a place of flutter and I didn't know what words would come out of my mouth next and so I simply just said I need to hang up I gotta go and I hung up and I sat on the side of the bed and I began to allow myself this rant and I said why are you mad and I spoke out loud saying because she's irresponsible immature and she was just you know just stupid for allowing I'm like like what who does that and I and 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 then I said but why do you care because you know and I said because I just feel like you know I have to be at fault and blame and take and, and suffer the sins of the parent so why is you make why does that make you mad? You know, and I'm asking myself these right. questions. Right. And it's because I don't deserve to have to live, you know, out there sins. I did nothing wrong. Why do you care? Because it was just immature and stupid and irresponsible. Then why do you care? And that's when it hit. I said, because my mom in the midst of all of that anger and all of that abuse and all of those crying times, there was one thing that she did for me. She would sing this song somewhere over the rainbow way up high. There's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby. And I remember saying, it's because she's not winning. Mm. And I remember consciousness came. Why do you think she's not winning? And that's when I started to replay this six-year-old narrative of her singing this song that was deeply embedded in my psyche around optimism, what life offers us, how we get to play full out, what's calling us forward, why we're somebody special. Because I love somebody because right. I recall this song. was planted by that song. That right? song that my mom gave me. Mm-hmm. And that was the only song she would ever sing. And I then realized because she's not winning, because everything that I get a chance to do for other people and she's going to miss it and she's not going to have it. Wow. And the tears this started. unpacked into something massive from this play seat of anger wow yeah, that really looked like love these revelations wow it looked like love and deep desire for her to win life mm. is offering you something and you're not getting it and then here comes what I believe was my 
my God conscious, the Holy Spirit. Why do you believe that she's not winning? And here's that ethics. My ethics about coaching, don't shoot on people. You know, don't, you know, don't do that to people, right? You know, people have their own pathway. Right. But they're the unique self of what they had to experience. Why yes. do you think she's not happy with what she's had to deal with and how mm -hmm. her life is unfolded? What she didn't have available to her. Why do you believe that she's not happy? Then I started to feel convicted because I don't think I ever really truly asked her if she was happy. I just listened to her, saw her life and thought she could have it better. You came to I, your own conclusion about how it should look or how she yes. should have experienced it. But really, she experienced it exactly as she chose it. And absolutely felt very blessed because of what she had. Right. So then here I am sitting on the side of the bed, starting to let light in, love in, empathy in, forgiveness in. I'm sorry now. I'm sorry. Please forgive me, invisible force, because now I am apologizing consciously to my mother, asking her to forgive me. Or this you literally time. flipped the whole, <laughs> just flipped the whole thing. It, Wendy. What's incredible, Kalina, is you had the guidance, inner guidance, to take you deeper and deeper. And you sat with it and you went deeper within yourself. And I want to honor you for, for staying there, for holding holding the space for yourself, for listening to that guiding voice that was pulling you to the full awareness Thank you of for that. the truth. And this is a key piece because most people stop at the rage and disappointment. Right. And they I was stop. afraid of that. And, and I was afraid. You stay there <clears throat> and it takes consciousness to keep asking the question to go deeper and deeper and get deeper into the deepest layers of truth and allow yourself to be there and look what came of it like it probably reframed your whole relationship with your mom because your perspective of it changed correct and then my desire to champion her way right? Her voice, her mm -hmm. um, deepest desires for what I believe as a family, her, her children have denied her the opportunity to experience. Mm -hmm. And that was freedom, her way, certainty, connection, her way. We felt as if we watched you sacrifice lovingly. We watched you work hard. Uh, we watched a woman who didn't have a high school graduation excel to the beauty industry to become something beautiful, you know, that required a degree. And we were like, oh my God, our mom has graduated and she's going to have a cool job. And um, we watched her um, fight for um, what she has. And we thought lovingly, we will, we will take care of her. We will do it for her. We will make sure she's good. We but will on her terms, mama. Well, and in the beginning, it was on our terms, right? Because I didn't we, like that. In the beginning, this was our lens that we would take care of mom on our terms. We would yeah. give her comfort. We would give her, yeah. you know, certainty. We would give her connection. Mm. And we did that for years. 
And years she kept saying, I can't, I can't, I should, I want to. And we were like, mom, you can't live on your own, mom. You know, you don't make enough money, mom, you know, affording that and living here. What pivoted, what, what shifted in that narrative that allowed her to have this on her own terms? Yep. It was that moment sitting on that bed mm -hmm. and having that introspective dialogue. And then now feeling guilty that I have should it all over her as H-O-U-L-D-E-D, showed it all over, <laughs> that I was like, I, she has every right to live connected to her power, her purpose, her plan. She has every right to explore her God-given rights to be able to live life the way that she feels in control of and wants. And so this was that moment when we were already in this blind side prior to the blind side. My mom was going to be moving back from California to Indiana. And it was already decided that she'd be moving with me. And so um, I had to turn around and meet with my brothers and go, hey, I think we need to allow mom the opportunity to experience life on her terms. With How did they feel access. about that? Like, well, I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? She can't, she can't, she can't, she can't live on her own. That would be risky. Like, there's no way she'd have enough money. Then she, obviously, the fear was. If she doesn't have enough resources, then it pours out of our resources. And then it gives us worry that there's an uncertainty and unknown. And then what if we can't take care of those needs? What if she's physically hurt and we can't get to her? There was a lot of real love concerns. A lot of fear. Her, a lot of fear. And there was a lot of, I don't, what are we saying? And I said, listen, I truly believe that mom and what she has available to her she can work with it, but it's going to be with a sacrifice and it's going to be with a risk. However, what's the possibility of us coming together to pay for, to contribute to a peace of mind? In other words, she's not broken. She is creative, resourceful, and whole. She's been doing this for years. She's been able to do this with a high school education. She was able to raise four kids and none of us have been in jail or have any criminal background. She has been able to put food on our table. She's been able to clothe herself. She's been able to right. find she's resources. She's resilient. She's resourceful. How about we just come together to support a peace of mind? And they were like, well, what do you have in mind? And I said, what if I was able to, were able to find apartments that were in a radius of my home that had a great rating, great amenities, great access, peace of mind that she could afford, that we could also contribute to ensure her affordability so that she can be able to do this on her own. Uh, what say ye? And they were like, well, how much? And I was like, we really only need to contribute $150 each a month. That's nothing. From all four of us, it's that's nothing. nothing. Just for the, but that's the peace of mind. It right. wasn't the the need to fix the problem. Right, it was right, the right. peace of mind. Right. So to give that as a current towards my mother to say, this allows you to be able to have the extra to support the unknown so that you can be able to Just do it your way. All the way around. I Absolutely. love outside of the box and you couldn't yeah. have gotten here without going through that moment in the dark. Yes, in the dark. And it was her gifting for me to do it at the same time. It was a gift and liberating for her to do it at the same time. So long story short, she, she did move back from California to Indiana and she is living on her own and That's she is amazing. living connect. Yes. And she's able to find her own access to, um, you know, benefits and things that just make her 
finance to stretch further. Mm -hmm. She's able to um, find transportation that is catered to her specifically that comes straight to her door and picks her up. She doesn't even need her own personal vehicle. That's amazing. I know. Amazing. And I have to pay for it. And she's able to um, have fun and enjoyment with think people around her. I mean, I think it's important too for people who are getting elderly to have community. I think so too. You get and really cut off when you're just living with yourself. And that is the journey. Or, or even yeah. with a, a, a child of yours, because you don't have this independence and this community on your own. That's so. correct. And that's her journey in this moment is this yeah. is the very first time that she in her adult life, um, moving out of the home from being married, you know, living with her parents to living on her own. This is her very first time experiencing a life of independence. And right. yeah, I love it too. But it also comes with um, her awareness on how to maintain strength and agility and being able to be proactive and active and wow. be community. So this is hers. This also is has her. you as a daughter. So I'm pretty sure that resource is tapped sometimes and sometimes, sometimes, but sometimes. Um, you're not broken. She doesn't need to be fake. Sometimes. To. Yeah. Sometimes well, she Lena, doesn't need to be fake. This has been such a beautiful conversation. I thank you for you're your, welcome. Time, your story, you. your time. Do you want to share any piece of wisdom before we say goodbye to the listeners I mean awesome. this whole time was basically a wisdom bomb but <laughs> let's uh wrap it up if you've got something specific that's helped you on your journey oh uh, thank you for that and so grateful for the opportunity time flew by and I don't even know how long we had been on this call but uh it goes fast but listeners you know live connected to power purpose plan and what is power? Power is your influence. It is your knowledge. It is your giftings. It is your, your, your strong suits. It's your inner resiliency. It's what you have to offer the world uh, the greatest impact that your life can live and lead and live and, and leave. And then tap into your purpose. That is truly what gets you up in the morning. It is truly what allows you to keep moving forward. It truly gives you access to what we call legacy but it also live connected to that amazing plan because without a plan, everything's an imagination or wish or dream, or it is a life unfulfilled or unexperienced. And so I always tell diamonds, live connected to your power, your purpose and your plan so that you can leave a legacy or the impact to the world that, that, that we get the opportunity to experience and that is this life. And be a message, not a messenger. Do the work, be the resilience. I love be, that. Yes. And thank you so much, Wendy. Oh, it was, it was a beautiful conversation. And to my audience, thank you so much for joining us. I know there were just a million nuggets and jewels of helpful information in our conversation. Remember that we're a community and I'd love to interact with you. You can leave a voice message um, that I can use in future episodes. Tell us what you learned. Tell us what you enjoyed about this conversation. And I'll leave the link in the comments. Have a beautiful day. Love yourselves. And I'll see you next time. Bye.